the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Morning, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with uh, Green Peak, and today hosting uh, Deepak Anand, who's the CEO and co-founder of Materia Ventures, which is a uh, extremely well-known uh, entity in the medical cannabis space with a strong European-focused supply and distribution company, as well as a number of other entities, all focused on medical cannabis and CBD products. Mm -hmm. But Deepak himself is based out of Vancouver, BC, which is right across the water from where I am right now. So welcome, Deepak. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, you and I had the chance to sit down in uh, at MJ Biz in Las Vegas uh, two months ago, but it seems like it was two years ago at this point. And uh, I don't know about you, but the markets uh, continue to amaze in how quickly they're evolving and how dynamically things are changing. And we everybody looks at the public market, but how much is going on underneath the surface that really has huge value that people are not paying attention to? What are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's still, you know, there's definitely a lot of changes in the space in general, whether it be movement of manpower and personnel or whether it be the capital markets and where the capital markets are currently as far as their uh, frustrations with cannabis in many ways go. So it's uh, nonetheless, a, you know, a certainly exciting time to be in the industry. I think there's a number of opportunities that still lie ahead of us, whether it be the international markets or whether it be additional products coming online here locally in Canada. I mean, there's still very, very much to happen on the cannabis side of things. I think people often forget that this is still a very nascent industry. We're still at, you know, still very, very early stages of where things are at in the grand scheme of things and uh uh and yeah i mean I, I i certainly remain optimistic and look forward to this discussion yeah and it's uh i think that's a big part of it is people struggle with where things are today as opposed to what they become and the but you know that's going to be a, a debate for a lot of people and investors and uh investment banks and the like about the speed and when the value gets concretized unfortunately there's going to be people who are missed by the wayside or and then there's going to be people who succeed by managing to hold on and through it and then everybody say well i wish you would have let me in um, yeah. as happened before but let's look at products for a second um, you've got a large european uh, supply and distribution company yeah. and you know those materials that are going through europe and entering into europe they come from all around not just within europe but all around the world how uh, how are you seeing the product mixes change with what people are asking for now versus even a year ago? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it, you know it's 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 a bit two steps forward and many steps back. I think if you look at where Europe is today, it's almost where Canada was five or six years ago. I mean, you know, I, I think we're not even at 1.0 in, in Europe yet because the kinds of products that we're currently talking about in those markets, at least on the medical cannabis side, is is very much you know still dried flower and cannabis oil. Those are the predominant 
pro types of products that we're we're talking about or those markets are currently looking for. I'll leave CBD out of this conversation. Perhaps we can circulate back to it a little bit later because I think that's where there's you know many many steps ahead of where North America was because there's you know CBD is essentially mainstream whether legal or not completely yep. from a regulatory perspective, but it's certainly way ahead of where Europe is, or sorry where North America was at uh, you know at our early stages at least in the, from a Canadian perspective. So uh, we're seeing the two mixes, but uh, but really uh, in many ways uh, the evolution of the progress of of the European market is going to mirror that of the Canadian market in in significant ways. Yeah, no, I, I fundamentally agree. I mean, the path and where it ends up is pretty clear uh, in terms of where it ends up. The path that everybody's following. You're right. It sometimes steps forward and steps back, and CBD is incredible treated incredibly differently. Um, and simpler in Europe than otherwise. Where um, you know where we're seeing a lot of uh, interesting differences, though, is you know, you, like you said, leave aside CBD, the the pricing and opportunities around THC into the medical chain are huge, and that undersupply is so dramatically uh, is so acute. Whereas people talk about there's a flood of CBD, but you know, there's a big difference between the hemp-based CBD and the cannabis-based CBD in terms of the quality and what people are getting. And those prices are all over the map as well, which makes it really difficult for, I think, everybody in the supply chain because what are you working with as a raw material and how much are you, do you need to plan for a year from now? Because that supply is going to vary dramatically. Yes, absolutely. And, and also, you know, uh, the conversation around where you're actually going to get that supply from, right? I think where, uh, you know, the conversation early on was, you know, who's actually going to grow cannabis? You know, where's cannabis going to be cultivated? I think to a great extent, we've already gotten past that in mm -hmm. terms of where is the cannabis going to come from. I think there's still some confusion in some people's minds. I think, you know, there's still new countries looking at legislating cultivation and there's, you know, I, I look at some European countries coming online for cultivation and I often shake my head because, you know, I think if, if Canada had an opportunity to be where we are today, I don't know if yeah. Canada would look at cultivating products in Canada, right? So, you know, there's just so much happening in places like Colombia and Jamaica and, and Lesotho and Macedonia and uh, whilst the question of will these countries be able to actually produce GMP quality medical cannabis and export it, and that certainly might be a concerning question. I think the question uh, about them producing, you know, API or, or biomass, API being active pharmaceutical ingredient or just plain biomass as it relates to CBD, I think, you know, it's it, it, there's no matter of question. I mean, uh, you know, places like Mexico are essentially the cultivators of all crops for North America. I mean, all the product that the U.S. and Canada eats is grown in Mexico. There's just no debating that fact, right? Because they're low-cost, highly effective, highly efficient uh, producers and cultivators of other crops. So no longer is the question around, uh, you know, where cannabis is, you know, could be cultivated and will they be effective in doing that? I think that the value of the conversation really is, like you said, where where is that biomass going to come from? And then what are we actually going to do to it? And I think if you look at what we and others are doing in Europe is, is very much that. It's basically saying that we're going to be, you know, bringing in this raw material or biomass from cheaper, low-cost jurisdictions and then adding value to it under GMP conditions if, if it's going in the medical channel or under uh, novel food regulations if it's going into non-medical channels in Europe. Uh, I think there's many pathways for, for launching those products. 
No, I absolutely agree there. It's uh, the pathways are huge. And, you know, there was a item in the news just uh, mid-February um, about some of the products being tested on store shelves in the UK, not conforming with the THC specifications. And that sort of issue where, you know, makes governments nervous. And when should they really be nervous and what should we as an industry be doing? You know, you're, you're in the supply side, we're in the supply side, we're at different points in it, but it passes from one to the other and there needs to be that clarity. But then when it gets on the store shelves, consumers need to have confidence what they're getting. Where, where do you think that issue today is lying though in the fact that those products end up on shelves of a major retailer that aren't necessarily in alignment with all the regulatory framework. Is it poor regulations? Is it poor understanding? Is it people just pushing something through? What, where do you see that issue starting? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, the issue really lies in, you know, people understanding what the regulations are. And in many cases, regulations haven't been clear. So uh, if you look at that UK report, it was actually through something called the Center for Medical Cannabis. It's actually an industry association that that I helped set up in many ways and I'm currently on the advisory board off. And mm-hmm. so when we decided to go and do that study in the UK, it was just to be able to highlight the fact the government needed to act. We had tried to have many conversations with the regulator around trying to proactively regulate this. And the feedback, you know, more indirectly was, well, what's the issue that you're trying to resolve? And so, you know, we had to go out and test those products to say like, look, there is a serious issue here. It's not something that we're, we're just making up that you're going to need to regulate this. There's, there's an actual risk here to public health and safety, whether it be yep. around using products that might have high levels of pesticides in it, or whether it might be issues around having no active ingredient in it, which we found in many cases, or having a higher active ingredient, including active ingredients of, of things like THC that, you know, aren't, are strictly regulated in these countries. So, you know, it really uh, highlighted the the fact that there are a number of other uh, issues and concerns and, you know, really bringing to the regulator why they should look at regulating this. So uh, that was the intent. And I think what we've now seen is the regulator come back and say, okay, we are going to be able to regulate this. Uh, You know, I think that it's it's fantastic that there are, you know, Europe generally, if you look at a CBD perspective, is very interested in, in, in taking it on. I think if you look at it from a consumer acceptance perspective, uh, people are, are buying these products, right? I mean, people are, it's already mainstream. It's already there. People know and want it. You can certainly debate if it's effective and efficacious in many ways. But the fact of the matter remains is that people still want to be able to access this product. And I think it's government's responsibility to be able to provide people with the products they need, but do so in a, in a regulated fashion. And that's what we're, that's what we're pushing for through those different initiatives. And absolutely. I mean, the government's first responsibility is to keep their citizens safe. And you can't do that if you don't have a good framework for regulatory, uh, a regulatory framework for the distribution of any product. And uh, I think, you know, we have to get rid of the boogeyman, but also have to be rational in how we address it. Let's come back to that after the break. We uh, will be back in just a couple of moments. We'll uh, back with Deepak Anand and uh, myself, Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. You got me again. All right. 
<laughs> you got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> Hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak. Richard Zwicky and Deepak Anand today. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, regulations and the need for clarity. And, you know, I've always advocated that regulations are good. Um, The thing is, we need clear regulations. Everybody can understand and interpret, not interpret, understand clearly. Um, without the need for a, uh, a long degree of interpretation. We've seen, you know, uh, Deepak, the, the activities we were talking about just before the break in uh, the UK and how, you know, the awareness leads the government to becoming clearer. And in Colombia, there's a, there's a new bill going through or regulations going through the framework, which is going to clarify issues around production, but opening up and making it simpler for Colombian producers to export, which is going to be helpful to everybody because the government wants to see that. But unfortunately, first time through on drafting regulations, sometimes you create as many issues as you uh, solve. And then we've got Peru, which is coming online that is uh, got a really great regulatory framework that's very comprehensive and will make it easy for uh, delivery of product to patients internationally which is tremendous. But then in, you know, when we talk about Europe, it's, there's the UK, there's Germany, and then there's everybody else. And the government frameworks that exist is still a patchwork. How many of the conversations you have around regulatory in the UK or elsewhere start with a focus on what the patient needs versus how do we regulate this? How do we control this? Yeah. I mean, in fact, the challenge is 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 um, what we what we're seeing in 
in a lot of the European countries is a move towards regulations without actually understanding what patient needs and patient outcomes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons for legalizing cannabis in the UK, as an example, was to be able to provide access. And the argument today is, well, we've you've, you've quote unquote legalized something without actually providing any access, right? And I think that's always been the issue. I think if you look at it, even from a Canadian context, I think the legalization of cannabis in Canada has actually put patients behind versus forward. Whereas the whole argument in Canada for legalization was, you know, le- cannabis legalization for medical sort of, you know, from from a medical perspective, only happen because of patients taking various governments to court. So, uh, you know, there's there's really an argument around accessibility to be had here. And I think governments are often failing to look at this from a patient-centric approach, and that in, in turn is resulting in perhaps not the best policy outcomes. The other aspect, I think, is some countries are looking at this from a perspective of exports and looking at creating an export market versus actually creating a local domestic market. And I think, again, they're doing themselves a disservice by not actually addressing issues within their own countries as it relates to cannabis access from a medical perspective. So it's very, very important for for, for governments to look at patient access as they look at, at formulation of these uh, these different objectives. I think the one country that you know probably is gotten patient access right to a large extent has been Germany. I think that, uh, you know, if you just look at it from a perspective that can a patient actually get this product and what's the ease to which uh, patients can can get this product, I think Germany's done a a fairly good job of providing legislation that, you know, allows for pharmacies to be able to carry these products and then you can have them picked up from any of the pharmacies that would dispense it. Uh, The UK hasn't taken that path. Canada still post-legalization hasn't taken that path, which is quite shocking really is, you know, you you're basically telling people that it's okay to go to a recreational cannabis store and get as much cannabis as you want. But if they want it for medical purposes, then there are going to be a whole bunch of barriers around that and pharmacies are not going to be allowed to get into it and researchers are not going to be allowed to research it. It's it's tremendously challenging even in this day in Canada to get research permits, to be able to research what is already a legal substance that you can already carry in, in your pocket or carry in your house without any repercussions. So it's quite unfortunate that uh, patients... Yes. It's incredibly unfortunate. I think the Canadian rollout, you know, with the legalization really was botched at the expense of patients. Um, You know, the, the dual framework that exists, the lack of government access on the recreational, which means the dispensary model that operates in parallel is giving, you know, the public different messages about what's, what's accessible, what's legal, what's, what's available, how do you get it, but then not opening up enough of the supply opportunities so that patients can have access to what they specifically need has done a horrible disservice to patients. And it fundamentally shows a misunderstanding that, you know, it isn't just a one drug, you know, one size fits all. It, really, if you've got a particular condition, you need a specific formulation or a blend of uh, products, not haphazard whatever's available on the store at the shelves at the time. And the Canadian, the way the Canadian system has rolled it out has favored the haphazard over the structure. And yeah. it's a mystery where we took the lead in the world and now we're looking at playing catch up. Absolutely. And I think it's it's not even a matter of catch up. I think, you know, we strongly risk being left behind. And I think that's what the argument is that you, you look at a lot of the U.S. states. And I mean, if the U.S. didn't have this fractured 
multi-state operator type concept where you couldn't ship across state lines and so you had to replicate your businesses in, in multiple states. I think if you didn't have these challenges, you know, they're doing a number of things right. You look at some of the brands in California, you look at some of the products that are available on the shelves there, whether it be edibles, beverages, uh, pharmaceutical type products. I think they've done a decent job of getting these products out where they where they do lack is the regulatory side so i think that you know canada needs to absolutely ease a lot of the regulations on the recreational side as it relates to advertising and marketing and some you know promoting some of these brands uh but on the flip side i think even more more importantly needs to look at legislating pharmacy access to medical cannabis i mean there isn't a reason why a patient shouldn't be entitled to going to their physician or going to their pharmacist and having a conversation around the product that they use. I mean, the, the argument is, is ridiculous. I mean, today you've got people that are, you know, recreationally using cannabis that might also have other medicines that you're at. And, and often the argument for not using and allowing for cannabis in pharmacies is, well, we don't know how this is going to interact with other medicines and we don't yeah. know what that's going to look like. Well, it's already happening. Let's not pretend like this isn't happening. This is a problem already. And so exactly. you might as well address it and get ahead of it and provide, uh, you know, academia with the, the tools to be able to research this rather than trying for it not to happen or pretending like it's not happening. So, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, that's the unfortunate part here. Yeah, no, it is the unfortunate part. It's almost like Canada in some ways is thinking of an abstinence program and, you know, that hasn't worked in, uh, abstinence doesn't work in anything else. I don't know why it would work no. in cannabis as a, a mantra, but how do you advocate legalization and abstinence at the same time is beyond me. But, you know, it's in a situation where that policy has made it, you know, the, a situation where the grass is greener for once we're operating beside the, uh, the government approved supply chain. And that's not good. And no, it's not. And, and I mean, you look at, you know, very, you know, the, you've got some very strong pharmacy players in this country, whether it be Shoppers Drug Mart or whether it be mm-hmm. Rexall or whether it be McCaslin or whether it be Jonkatu or London Drugs or any of the major pharmacy chains in this country have all expressed tremendous interest to in the government to try and get into the business. And, you know, they'd be very welcoming to have these products in their store shelves and guaranteed that was not the, that was not the, the, the sort of assumption that was made uh, three or four years ago when the government actually looked at like legislating cannabis. They did contemplate that pharmacists would be the gatekeepers at the time. Pharmacists said they didn't want part of this, but they've realized and they've seen what's happened over the past few years and said, now we want to be into this. So, you know, I think the government's making a terrible mistake by not allowing them to meaningfully participate in this in this system by saying, well, it's up to the provinces in terms of what the provinces do, whereas we all know that medical cannabis is very much controlled federally. So, uh, you know, I think the federal government needs to do much more in the way of uh, furthering a research on cannabis, because if you look at countries like Israel and Australia, there's a lot of cannabis research that's happening there. Uh, and B, uh, by way of access and allowing for pharmacies to be a mechanism for or an avenue for distribution. I mean, you know, it, it, there's no reason why why uh, medical cannabis patients shouldn't be able to go to a pharmacy, talk to their pharmacist around uh, the, the, the both benefits and the risks of cannabis, as well as interactions with other medicines. I think, uh, you know, the Canadian Melt, uh, Mental Health Institution recently put out something saying that, oh, you know, cannabis is harmful when taken with other drugs. I don't know where that, where that came from because 
nobody's actually researched what cannabis interactions and drug interactions look like with cannabis and other medications. So to make a blanket statement saying it interacts with drugs is, 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 is actually, you know, quite careless because you don't know what those interactions are. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, alcohol has a number of interactions with other drugs, but you don't see sweeping statements saying don't consume alcohol, period, without actually understanding that. And I think it's actually quite careless because you undermine physicians that have prescribed, uh, you know, cannabis as a medicine to, to several patients, particularly patients that have pediatric epilepsy, where we know beyond, uh, you know, beyond a, a sort of, you know, uh, a question that it is therapeutically beneficial to them. We've got uh, products that have been through clinical trials in the case of uh, Epidiolex and uh, Sativex that have actually gone through a number of clinical trials and research that show that uh, you know these, these compounds have therapeutic value. So let's not have this conversation around, we don't know, you know, there's not enough research. I think there's, there's plenty out there. It's a matter of putting all the pieces together. I agree completely. And, you know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head about the, uh, with the medical community. And the medical community is paralyzed because they're used to receiving studies and information uh, from governing authorities about what are the conflicts in different medications, what are the contradictions of what not to use at the same time. And if it's not listed, it's don't go there is the uh, model that a lot of, you know, that a, doc, a lot of doctors just play to be on the safe side, but that's not realistic. And, you know, their uh, doctors are, hang, are hamstrung in some aspects with regards to what they can and can't tell patients. Um, you know, they can't tell patients uh, as effectively as they might have 20 years ago, hey, you need to lose 20 pounds right? They, they can recommend, you know, I think a new diet might help you in terms of going to this, that, or the other, but they're not allowed to say outright, you have to go lose 20 pounds. Yeah. Um, and in this circumstance with uh, cannabis, they look at it and it's even more restricted because as you said, there isn't the research. And then, you know, they are either going to work off of their, you know, their firsthand knowledge, which may or may not be there, listening to their patients and asking the patients the right questions to understand what's going on um, or trust. And, but the reality is, you know, what is it? 29.3% of Canadians in a poll towards the end of the year said they'd used a cannabis product within the last 30 days. And we're going to take a quick break. Uh, be back in just a few minutes with Deepak Anand and uh, from Materia Ventures and look forward to chatting with you on the other side. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. 
Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. Thanks for joining us and coming back again today. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak and uh, continuing on with Deepak Anand from Materia Ventures. With that kind of number, how many different drug interactions are happening that aren't being documented that these doctors should be aware of and the researchers should be aware of and using to build up a resource to understand how it how it interacts because there could be benefits that we're missing that could solve a lot of issues and you know when we go back to it regulations are good make them clean make them simple and give everybody a, a model to operate within so that everybody can succeed um so moving back a bit towards you know on this i think we could go on forever about the problems in canada and the opportunity loss that canada is driving it for itself at this moment but you know, looking at what's working, you've you've got a good footprint in Europe. And where do you see the really exciting opportunity over the next 12 months and 18 months? Because um, it's there's a lot of change happening there. And as you said, they're, they're making it simpler and clearer for society to interact with uh, with medical cannabis. What do you see as being the big, big pieces coming? Is it different uh, delivery models? Is it the access? Is it something completely different? Yeah, look, I, it's multifaceted. So I think on the one side where medical cannabis adoption is concerned, there seems to be a lot of interest in newer countries embracing medical cannabis legalization. And these are some larger countries that have by and large abstained from from legalization to date. If you look at France as an example, they are going to be coming out with a program very soon here that will allow for meaningful access to medical cannabis by its patients. I mean, France alone is projected to be one of the largest medical cannabis markets in Europe. So, you know, that says quite something significant where, you know, if you think that Germany is the big market today, well, I think you're mistaken because France could be a much larger market. You know, we're looking at places like Italy and Greece that have some sort of access mechanisms but haven't really allowed for full-blown access. So I think there's, you know, certainly the ability there uh, in those countries to be, uh, you know, that are that are now opening out. The European Union at its level has basically asked for harmonization across member states. So that's quite a significant move again on medical cannabis because mm-hmm. to date we haven't seen a lot of harmonization happen, leave alone legalization. So, uh, you know, those are all meaningful impacts that will happen on the medical cannabis cannabis side. I think if you look at CBD on its own, it's it, there's another significant move. Um, the European Union and more specifically the UK recently, just last week, actually said that they're going to uh, enforce novel food uh, restrictions. For those that don't know, novel food restrictions are basically uh, you know, a requirement that uh, if you're going to launch something that is a ingestible product, you need to have gone through the safety and the toxicity studies and from a stability perspective uh, and a toxicity perspective to understand is the molecule stable and is it toxic? 
And as long as those two conditions don't occur, then you actually have a pathway to launching products. Uh, this hasn't happened anywhere in, in the world, really. So if I'm a CPG company like a PepsiCo or, or a, or a Coca-Cola, I'm looking at that very closely or wanting to look at that very closely because what this means now is I have a definitive legal path to predict uh, something that's ingestible with CBD on the market as long as I go through that, uh, those safety and toxicity and stability studies. So, you know, that's very, very significant. You know, Canada doesn't allow for uh, for CBD to be put into food products that way. The U.S. certainly at a federal level hasn't allowed for that to happen. Whereas the U.K. and more generally Europe actually have a pathway. It's called the Melville Food Application for CBD that you can cement um, that would allow you to put these products on. Now, if you want to make claims of a efficacious nature in terms of saying it cures or helps with sleep and there's additional studies you need to do on that to prove that but but the fact is that you can legally launch a product without having efficacy uh, efficacy as long as you're not making any claims uh, but put that on the market legally and there are retailers already that are very accepting and already have cbd products on the market so you're not really talking about opening up and creating a new market you're talking about redefining a market uh, in many ways so that's that's the other interesting part is you know CBD has uh, tremendous opportunities in, in Europe now, given some of the latest uh, regulations coming out and the guidelines coming out. So, you know, we look at Europe as being uh, a market that's that's very much on the horizon. And lastly, and most importantly, from a research perspective, there's a number of universities that have already conducted, started conducting research. And, uh, you know, we're working with quite a few of them to be able to uh, get into clinical trials, get into product formulation type trials, to be able to understand uh, how those markets will roll out and how they'll come about. So, uh, you know, those are all very, very exciting things that in some cases uh, are lacking in North America. They are, they are. And I think uh, that whole novel foods discussion and where, I think I know there's a lot of uh, participants in the market who are confused when it comes into play as opposed um, as opposed to everything has to be certified through the process or does everything have to be certified through the process or and that's a whole long discussion and I think unfortunately we're at the uh, the end of the time allotted for today for this interview but I'd love to have you back on again uh, in the near future Deepak so we can go further into uh, novel foods and the like. But you know, companies are looking to learn more about Materia Ventures and to uh, potentially start uh, trading with you, dealing with you across uh, and around the world. Where should they get in touch? Our website is probably the best way for people to go. It's called materiaventures.com. Uh, in addition to that, we're also quite active on a lot of our social links, such as LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Fantastic. So thanks for joining us today, Deepak, and thanks to everybody for listening. I'm uh, Richard Zwicky with the Green Peak, and joining me today was Deepak Anand, who is co-founder and uh, CEO of Materia Ventures, a great international firm in the medical cannabis space and a great authority on uh, worldwide regulations and trends. Thanks, Deepak. Thank you. Have a great day. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.